Hi, and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Come on, let's just linger for another moment here. Thrives on Jesus. there's only one thing that in the end when you arrive there will leave you completely satisfied there's only one thing that's him if you ever find yourself very disappointed very frustrated um, you get to a point where you think okay I've finally arrived and you're just so unsatisfied so unhappy there's a good chance it's because you had misplaced hopes, misplaced trust, misplaced expectation. It was placed in something that doesn't produce what it promised to produce. But, but God always, always comes through with what he promises. He promises to satisfy. He promises to fulfill. He's the shepherd. He'll lead us to the, to the river, to living water. He leads us to the pasture. When we place our trust, it's our focus, the focus of our heart. When, we, when we're like, oh man, if I could just have this, if I could just accomplish that, if I could just be in this position. And then when we get there, you're like, huh, it's not that great. It's because he's the only one. He's the only one. This morning as we're, as we're worshiping and singing, I'm just thinking, God, you're the only one. You're the only one that can. You're the only one that does fully satisfy. And guess what? That's the way it's supposed to be. That was the way we were created, that we can only be full. We can only be satisfied in him. And when you get to a place, you're like, God, I'm frustrated. Man, that just stinks. That, I'm just, ah. You know why? Because you thought, huh, if I had enough money, if I got this job, if I got this promotion, if I got that house, if I got this car, then, and then you get there and you're like, this car sucks. <laughs> smells bad. I thought it was going to be cool. It's a manual. It's a diesel. It smells bad, right? If I only had this much in the savings, I'd just feel, ah, oh, just be settled. Then you get it and you're like, I need more, Right? It's because he is the only one that can satisfy. There's momentary happiness, momentary, ha, 
in other things. But when then when you get to the end, you're like, wait, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. It's because he's the only one. So we're going to take one more minute. 30 seconds. And we're just going to refocus again. Okay, Lord, you're the only one. You're the only one that can satisfy. All these things aren't bad. I'm not saying they're bad. They're okay. They're okay, but he is the ultimate. All other things are, are, are less than ultimate, but you, Lord, you are the ultimate. You are the ultimate. You satisfy completely. You complete us fully. So God, we refocus our eyes on you, Jesus, the satisfier of our souls, the fulfiller of our life. Our eyes, we turn them on you again, Jesus. All the other things that are good, we, we just, they're good, but they're not great. They're not the satisfier. We turn our eyes again on you, Jesus. You satisfy us. You make us whole. Jesus, it's you alone. It's you alone. Our eyes are on you, Jesus. You satisfy. You satisfy our hearts, Jesus. You know, it can be a, like a daily practice too. It'd probably be good. <laughs> like throughout the day, maybe hourly for some of us. Oh yeah, Jesus is the one. Oh yeah. An hourly reminder might be good for some of us. <laughs> Talking about myself, okay. Hey, why don't you just turn to somebody and just say, hey, Jesus is everything. Kind of raise your voice like, you know, Jesus is everything. Doesn't the worship team do an amazing job? We appreciate all those who serve in that area. They put time in, you know? They don't just show up, wake out of bed, and just show up 10 o'clock to sing a few songs. They're up early and practicing other days of the week, so we're thankful for them. Well, I I get to receive... uh, this morning's tithes and offerings for the second week in a row. I wasn't given a time frame today, so I guess I have about 45 minutes. See what we can do here this morning. <laughs> now I'm going to keep it short. But last week I read, I think it was Philippians 4, 6. I know it was verse 6. I'm not sure what chapter. But it said, it said uh, don't worry about 
anything, but pray about everything. Good. Nice. Either you have the verse memorized or you remembered me talking about it. But. So I just, I just shared a quick review. I shared last week about how in that word pray about everything, and that word prayer is trust. There's a level of trust. When we pray, we're going to the Lord saying, Lord, you are Lord, you are God, and I'm trusting you right now. Like, there's my everything going on that I'd like to worry about. Okay, don't worry about anything. There's those anythings, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to pray about everything because I know that you, you got me. You are Lord. And I want to talk about, just briefly, I want to talk about that there's something else tied up in that word prayer that I believe um, is very important as well. There, there's a parable in Matthew 21, and it says that, that the that a um, landowner planted a vineyard and then he like made a vine or made a wine press. I'm not sure what that looks like. They didn't study it that deep, but made a wine press and then built the tower. I'm not sure what the tower is for either. Um, and then he gave it to servants or to people who were going to run it. And then he went away. And after a time he sent a servant to go collect what was his. And it says that those running it beat the servant up. Just beat them up and sent them off. And so the landowner is like, okay, well, I'm going to send a few more people this time. He sent kind of a herd of people. They beat them up as well. I might even said that they killed them. I'm not sure. Uh, I can't remember. But then the last time he said, okay, I'm going to send my son because surely they're not going to kill my son or beat him up. They send him, and I think that's, they beat him up and killed his son. And so then Jesus says, "I I mean, what is what is the owner going to do when he shows up? Like, <laughs> it's going to get nasty up in there for all those people. Um, so kind of a dark, morbid parable. Happy. <laughs> but but the, the point there is, is that the person who owned the field said, okay, he, he created all this, and then he went away, and he said, okay, I'm going to give you the authority to handle my stuff. But just so you know, it's still my stuff, <laughs> Right? It was still the landowner's stuff, but he, he, he got it ready and said, no, nah, I'm going to give you charge of it. I'm going to go away. But then he sent and said, okay, but it's still mine. So there's a portion that comes to me. And uh, it's a little bit like that. It's a little lot like that with us as we're living on this earth. God being the creator created the heavens and the earth. And then he, he gave Adam and Eve the command. Okay, now you take dominion which doesn't mean just like, I'm going to do whatever I want, and this is ours, and forget you. No, it's like you take dominion means you, you inhabit it, and you take care of it well. But God's like, but still mine. I'm still the God. I'm still the creator, the owner. But he gave us the privilege to work it. And so in that word, going back to that verse, pray about everything. In that word prayer, I believe is, maybe I'm, I don't think I'm stretching it, but is Prayer is communicating with the owner, the creator, right? Prayer is communication. So when we pray, I believe that we are approaching God going, God, what is your heart on this matter, right? In prayer, I believe, I've experienced this. In prayer, I actually understand and receive God's heart about a matter. I was just doing it this week. I'm praying about a matter, and I feel like God was beginning to show me his heart concerning the matter, So when we pray, we're going, okay, Lord, you are Lord, but I'm also a steward of what you've given me, my family, work, 
maybe vehicles, stuff, whatever it is. We are simple, simply stewards. But God has given us the privilege to work with him, but he's still the owner. So you go, mine. He goes, no, it's not. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say this. It's not yours, it's the Lord's. <laughs> if you want to get real country, you go, it ain't yours, it's the Lord's, okay? It ain't yours, okay? <laughs> right? Mine. No, it's not. <laughs> right? We have the privilege to work with the Lord. It's his stuff. But the thing is, is as stewards, we're blessed by participating with him. It's not like he's like, you can't have any of it. He goes, it's yours, but it's mine. But you get to work with me. Right? So when we talk about pray, pray about everything, I believe in that word is, okay, Lord, what's your heart about this matter? He doesn't want you poor. Okay? He doesn't want you just like struggling in a mess. He doesn't want that. But he also wants you to understand that it's his stuff. Right? But we get the privilege of working with him, which is amazing. Who else would you want to work with? A loving, amazing, successful God? Come on. Like, that's just amazing. We have that privilege. So in that word prayer, I believe, is we get the privilege of going, Lord, I'm a steward. What's your heart on the matter? Right? What's your heart on the matter? We get to receive his heart in that. So with that, I say this every time, and I probably just keep on saying it. We talk about finances, but I believe it's our life that we're talking about, right? We're talking about our life. God, what's your matter on this? My family, my work, all of that. What is, what's your heart on it? Man, if we could live that way, life would change. We'd be less stressed. We'd be more hopeful. We'd be less angry and just hard to work with. We'd just lighthearted. It'd be amazing if we could just have his heart about all those things. It'd be good stuff, so... Let's, let's try it, okay? Let's try doing that. Okay, well, if you're giving cash this morning, uh, tithe, giving your tithes offerings, uh, you can raise your hand. The ushers will help you. If you're giving writing a check, you can make it to Destiny Church. So, amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning an opportunity to give, an opportunity to gather together as a family. And, and God, in this time, God, I just pray that there'd be a download of your heart as we're just, as we're singing, as we're listening, as we're interacting, God, that we'd be, have, have this attitude of prayer going, Lord, what's your heart on this matter? What, what can I do to respond to what you've given me, to what you've, the opportunities you've presented? So we just thank you that you're, I ask that you begin to put your heart and develop your heart in each one of us more and more each day. And we thank you for it. Thank you for this opportunity to give. Be good stewards of what you've given us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers. Would you guys welcome Pastor Steve. Well, God's good, amen. amen. Well, um, I just want to make sure you remember that we're having David Wagner in October. Um, can't remember the exact dates, but just kind of put that on your calendar, your remembrance. Uh, David Wagner, I saw a video by Bill Johnson, if you know who that is from Bethel. And he said that, I think, I, I think he said, use the word, David Wagner's his favorite prophet or whatever. And uh, he's got a real strong prophetic ministry. And I, I know you're going to be blessed by it. And uh, he does a lot of ministry with Heidi Baker. I don't know if you ever heard of her, but he's a missionary to Africa. 
And so she's real, um, they're real, uh, he's real well known. So we have the privilege of having him here. So I know you're going to be blessed by it. It's in October. What is it? 19th through the 21st. So October 19th through the 21st. Make sure you write that down. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me, please, uh, to Colossians chapter 3. We have a picnic today. Um, I'm not sure what we're eating. We're eating whatever you brought, and the church is providing something. I think they're, they're providing the meat. So the meat is, is provided, and whatever you brought is what we're eating today. Praise the Lord. Someone goes, oh, I forgot. Well, then we're not going to be kind of a, how do you say that, carnivorous? Carnivorous, uh, carnivorous group this morning. If nobody brought anything else, we'd just be eating meat. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I've been talking to you about peace. And last week I talked about peace as an ump umpire. Peace is the umpire. And this week I'm, I'll be talking to you about peace as a guard or peace is the guard or our guard. And so I, I, you know, I said this last week, I don't know if I've ever preached on peace exclusively on the subject of peace. I probably talked about, referred to it, but as I began to study it, I was so surprised at how much the Bible talks about peace. And um, actually this mentioned over 300 times in the Bible, 330 sometimes in the Bible, about a hundred times in the New Testament. In fact, if you look at it, Paul starts his letters with grace, usually with grace and peace be unto you. And, uh, and then he ends it usually with some kind of a uh, ending and usually has peace in it. And so peace is one of those things that, you know, maybe it doesn't seem very exciting, but listen, it's something that we desperately need. How many know that's true? And, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at this. Uh, we live in a world that's just desperate for peace, desperate. Um, I, was, I was reading this study from the Mayo Clinic, and they say that 70% of Americans are on some form of prescription drug. 70% of Americans are on some form of prescription drug. And the ma vast majority of those drugs are either an antibiotic, a painkiller, or a mood-altering drug of some kind. I mean, they say this, that, that we are the most medicated society that has ever existed, the most medicated society, and people deal, having a hard time to deal with anxiety, they have a hard time dealing with fear, worry, stress, those type of things, and so uh, we turn to pills or some kind of an artificial thing to try to sedate us enough so that we can cope with what we're going through, and that's a real thing, and I'm not, if you, if you have, if you're using something like that, I'm not putting you down, please don't miss understand me, but I'm just saying that I think there's a better way that, that we should learn to access, and it takes, it's a process, but that we should learn to access. Uh, there's, there's God's gospel. The gospel that we should learn to access. I just, that just came to me. So anyway, so, so um, it's so important for us to understand this subject of peace and learn to experience God's peace. You know, I talked to you last week about the, uh, that peace is the umpire. In Colossians 3, it says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule is umpire. Peace is an umpire. Now, if you know anything about baseball or sports, I think, I don't know how many sports have an umpire, but I know baseball does. He's the guy behind the plate. 
I think he's behind the catcher at home plate, I think. And he makes a lot of decisions. He calls balls and strikes. He calls balls that are out. Basically, he's the one, he's the decision maker on the team in the game. He's the one that makes the decisions. And the Bible says that peace is the decision maker in our lives. So in other words, if we start doing something, we start going in a direction, we're doing something, all of a sudden we lose our peace. We should stop. We should stop because that is the umpire going, foul ball, out of, ball, out of bounds, or you know, ball, that's, that's out of there, that's not a strike. The umpire is trying to give us some kind of a direction. And uh, it's very important for peace to guide our directions. Amen? Otherwise, you're going to make a lot of bad decisions. You're going to get yourself in a mess. In John 14, 27, Jesus, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace, notice, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. So there is a worldly peace. But he goes, that's not what I'm talking about. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, you know, I know the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, that all of his followers would be scattered. But it doesn't, so that was a promise of scripture, or that was a prediction of scripture, not a promise, but a prediction. But it doesn't predict that Peter would have a cuss out session. Right? You remember when the little lady goes, that's why they say preachers hate chickens is because the chicken was the one that squealed on him after he denied Christ. But, uh, or maybe that's why they like chicken. They would eat every chicken because blabbermouth. You know, so anyways, but, um, but um, you know, he said, they said, You're, aren't you one of him? Blank, you know, I don't know him. Eventually he got to the point where he, he started swearing, said, I don't know him. That was not predicted in scripture. And so if they would have done what Jesus said, if they would have kept their peace, they would not have done Peter would not have gone where he went. And so that's why it's so important. That's why he's telling them, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. That means your heart is under your control. Now, that seems foreign to a lot of us, but your heart, your emotions, your thinking is under your control. Now, that seems strange to us because a lot of times, you know, our emotions you know, a lot of times we, it's like walking. You ever seen these little girls walking these gigantic, I don't know why little, it seems like young little girls that weigh under 100 pounds always buy dogs that are 500 pounds and as big as an elephant. And then they take them for a walk and, they, and the dog basically drags them around the neighborhood. How I many know that's true? And, and so, but that's how some of our emotions are is that we don't control our emotions. Our emotions control us. We just, we're out, basically get out of control. And, and actually, they sh our thought life and our emotions are under our control. He said, don't you let your heart be troubled. You, in other words, you're going to have to do something with your heart. And what's available, he said, my peace I give you. And so you can access God's peace. And you wonder, well, what's peace? What is it like? Or how does it operate? Or, or what, 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 when you have it, what, what does it seem like? What does it look like? Well, you know, I used the example last week about Jesus in the storm. How that Jesus is asleep on the pillow. And the storm, it's so bad. I mean, these fishermen are not scaredy cats. They're not like, you know, like some people, I'm afraid of water. You know, I mean, they were fishermen. 
This is how they made their living. They, they, they had gone through a serious storms in their life. And so when they said, we are in trouble, we are in jeopardy, you know what? They were in trouble, they were in jeopardy. And they come to Jesus and he's asleep. You know, he's, I don't know if he snored. Is snoring a part of the curse? I don't know if it is. Because I don't think Jesus was under the curse. But, but, um, but he was, let's just say he was snoring. You know, he's, and you know, that's, I can't snore very good. I don't really even snore when I sleep. But, but, um, but anyways, but he was sleeping. He was snoring away. And they're like, what, what is going on? So what caused him to sleep in the midst of this storm? It was peace. And he said, my peace, that kind of peace that'll cause you to sleep in the time of a storm. See, so if you're here this morning, you go, I can't sleep at night. I'm, I walk the floor. I'm upset. I'm anxious. I'm this. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. You got to learn to access God's peace. And there's peace. He says, my peace I give to you. I bequeath it to you. Bequeath it. Is that how you say that word? I, I leave it to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give. Give it I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. So in other words, peace should guard or, or reign in your heart. Peace should reign in your heart. Amen. And so the problem with identifying peace is that there's the worldly peace. You could say stupid peace worldly peace and that masquerades as peace and I talked about last week how that you know when sometimes when we run away from a hard place you're in a hard place you got a, a hard boss or you got a hard maybe your your mate is kind of difficult or you're in a difficult situation and you run away and when you do that you have momentary relief you have momentary ah, and you go I finally have peace that's not peace that's relief that's not peace. There's a difference between relief and peace. Or you run away from, uh, or you give in to evil. You know, in other words, there's a situation where somebody's acting up and it's an evil situation, but you compromise because you don't want to cause problems or make waves. That is, that is a sense, a, a type of peace, but it's worldly peace. It, it's by compromise. Or if you feel insecure, in a situation, you, you know, sometimes you feel insecure. And so you look for a natural place of security. You go someone, you go hang around people that are a natural place of security for you. And you say, well, I have peace here. You don't really have peace. You have a natural sense of security. Or you can run away from responsibility. Remember last week I talked about when I, would, when I'd, when I was in school, I'd, I'd, I'd cut school. I'd, I'd, I'd skip school. I'd go to school. I'd get there with my friends. I'd say, hey, let's skip school. You know, I even made up a song. I'm no fool. I'm skipping school, you know. And, uh, and so then I just remember the euphoria I felt when I walked away from that building because I, I was faced with six hours of boring lectures. I shouldn't say boring, but school, I wasn't really happy with school. I didn't like school. So I was faced with six, seven hours of boring lectures or in homework and schoolwork or I'm free. <laughs> I remember walking away from that school with my friends, and I'm just like, I'm free, I'm free. I had this euphoria. It was like, woo, woo. And then I got my report card at the end of the month, oh, or the end of the quarter, oh, <laughs> right? And so that's not peace. That euphoria that you feel when you shirk responsibility, that's not peace. Amen? And so there's, 
There's yielding to temptation. Doing the wrong thing gives temporary relief from the tension, but that's not peace. Or pill-popping peace. Or listen to this little rhyme. Ho, 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 to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woes. That's not peace. That's that artificial peace. That's not the peace. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, for the wicked. There's no peace. There's always this churning. And that's why people feel like they have to numb, their, numb themselves from their, and escape uh, responsibility or escape situations because they don't have inner peace. And so there's no relief for the wicked. There's numbing of the pain. There's escaping from reality, but there's no peace for the wicked. And what we're after is this peace that sleeps in a storm. That's what we're after. We're after that kind of peace. And so what that kind of peace is, is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of trouble. But it is the presence of Christ. I, I saw that a quote one time, and I wrote that down. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but it is the presence of Christ. So it's sort of like this. When nothing's wrong and you're calm, that's not peace. When nothing's wrong and you're calm, that's not peace. When nothing's wrong and you're filled with anxiety, that's crazy. And there are people like that. They drive themselves crazy. Nothing's really going wrong, but they're still not calm. That's dysfunctional, man. But peace is when something's wrong or even everything's wrong, but you have peace you have calm in the midst of the storm. That's peace. And listen, that is available to everybody. I used last week about Peter when he was in prison. The next day, he's going to die. They killed James by cutting his head off. I told you about my, my friend who he used to always say, you know, they cut your head off. You still, your, your head, you're still aware. I go, no, you're not. He goes, 20 minutes. I said, I think that's a chicken. But, but anyways, but so 20, I mean, the next day, Peter's going to you know, probably lose his head or die some way. And the Bible says that he was asleep between two soldiers. Now, that's the kind of peace that I want. How about you? Amen. I want to have like, and, and I just want to like, yeah, whatever, you know. I, I mean, I don't want to be irresponsible, but I just want to have that. There's such an inward peace and tranquility that every outward storm doesn't move me. It doesn't move me at all. I'm not in, in despair or I'm not stressed out or I'm not worried or I'm not full of anxiety. It's going to be okay. God's got this. I remember one time a few while back, I was going through some really difficult stuff. I mean, really, man, I was really going through it. And I was my mind was like, like somebody was playing a, a gong in my head. I mean, my mind was just going all over the place. And I knew... I told myself, Steve, what you're doing right now is totally unbiblical. What you're doing is wrong. But I'd say, okay, and I'd try, try to get a hold of myself, and, and I'd try to, you know, take some mental discipline. But then before long, I was back at it again. You know, my mind in a turmoil, up at 3 o'clock in the morning, walking back and forth in this turmoil, this storm on the inside. 
And I just kept praying, God, show me something, say something to me. And one, one day when I was just, I was, uh, I'm just going to start worshiping. So I was worshiping, I was praising, I was thanking God. And I was just saying it out of my mouth loud because I was trying to get my mind to shut down. So I kept saying things that I was grateful for. I kept saying what God was to me. You are my strong defense. You are my tower. You are my defense. You are my strong, uh, my strong right arm. You are the one that will defend me. You are, I kept going on and on. I just kept declaring it, declaring it and declaring it and then worshiping. I just kept doing that until finally all of a sudden my heart started to quiet down. And all of a sudden, God said this to me. He said, I got this. Go on with your life. I said, what? Say that again. He goes, I got this. Go on with your life. I go, you really do? Come on. You're not kidding me. Don't be, don't be joking around. Because <laughs> I had this was so built up inside of me. It was like a giant. It was like a mountain. And he goes, I got this. Don't even. He, I listened to God. God was going. Right? I wish I could make a better snoring sound. <laughs> Maybe I need more water or whatever. But, but that, I mean, that's, you got to have that kind of peace. The Bible says it passes all understanding. Amen? And so the definition of peace is that tranquility. I want you to turn me with me in your Bibles to, uh, this is our verse for today, is Philippians chapter 4. All of that was introduction. So we need peace in three areas. First of all, understanding peace with God, peace with God, peace with ourselves or in ourselves, and peace with other people. The whole thing starts with peace with God. Now look, watch this, verse Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, this is a kind of a strange verse. And again, I say, rejoice. Maybe you didn't know what else to say. Rejoice in the Lord always. I remember a lady one time, they had, she was a pretty, pretty large church and uh, she was leading worship and Kenneth Copeland was there that, that morning. And, um, and she goes, as she was worship, as they were worshiping, God gave her a prophetic word. But she thought, you know, I mean, I felt a little awkward giving it here. I mean, Kenneth Copeland's here. I mean, come on. But she goes, I'll give it anyways. But the word was this, rejoice in the Lord always. And she thought, that's it. I mean, it's got to be more than that. And she thought, well, I can just, I can go rejoice in the Lord always. And then I can say, and again, I say rejoice. Because that's scriptural, right? So it seems, it's kind of a weird way of saying it. It's like he say, you didn't get it the first time, let me say it again. And again, I say rejoice. How often do we rejoice? Always. It's really, are you guys, it's not a trick question. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How often should we rejoice? Always. always. Yes. Are we all here? Always, always, always rejoice. In fact, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, he said, always rejoicing. Always. What's interesting about, well, let me read the rest of the verse and I'll start commenting. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Don't want worry. This is the amplified version or fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard 
your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this, the title of this message is Peace as a Guard. Right there you see, it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now what's interesting about this letter is that it's a prison, they call it a prison epistle. The reason they call it that is because Paul wrote it from prison. He was in prison. So prison back in those days, you know, again, it was probably more an uncertainty about his future. And so if you read this book, what he talks about is controlling your thought life, your mind, he talks about your mind, and he talks about joy and rejoicing. Those two things are the subject of this whole epistle. And so Paul, this is what Paul's doing. He's controlling his thinking and he's rejoicing. He's controlling his thinking and he's rejoicing. Now here's what's interesting about the word rejoice. The word rejoice actually comes from the same root word as grace does. They come from the same root word, grace. And so if you look at a Bible handbook, the way they translate this, it, they, it means to delight in God's grace always. And again, I say delight in God's grace, literally to experience God's grace or God's favor be conscious, glad for his grace. So that's what he says. He says, he says, delight in God's grace always. And again, I say delight in God's grace. Experience God's grace always. And again, I say experience God's grace. Amen. Be glad for God's grace always. And again, I say be glad. Now here's the reason for it. It's because if you don't understand grace, the next thing he tells you to do, you're not going to be able to do it. Because what he's trying to, what he tells you, what he tells you to do next, is he said, I want you to turn loose of all those things that concern you. I want you to turn it loose. I want you to give it to me. Give it here. I want you to give me your worries. I want you to give me your stress. I want you to give me your fears. I want you to give me your concerns. I want you to give them to me. Give them here. Now, if you don't know God's grace or you're not, uh, you're not acquainted with God's grace, that's hard to do. Because you don't know your standing with God. You don't know where, where do I stand with you, Lord? Where do I stand? You might look at me like you're some, I'm, I'm some kind of a jerk. And I give it over to you and I say, he just goes, I don't want your stuff. I, I, can't, I don't have anything to do with you or whatever. You don't know what, what your standing is. And so he starts by saying, Always, always be delighted in God's grace. Always be glad in God's grace. Always stand there in God's grace and rejoice in the grace of God. Always. And so let's look for a minute because this has to do with peace with God. Let's look for a minute at what it means to experience or what, what it means to, to be in right standing with God. I want you to turn over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And so what does it mean to be in right standing with? What does God think of you? Turn to your neighbor and say, what does God think of you? I heard a guy say this one time. He said, God, my picture is on God's refrigerator. Or God, my picture, God carries my picture around in his wallet. Do you believe that? Well, it says that in the Old Testament, it says you're, that, you're, that you're, always, you're, you're always before me. Always before, your life is always before him. 
But look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if any man or person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he's a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral spiritual condition has passed away. This is the amplified version. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us, through Jesus, reconciled us to himself. Now listen to this. He reconciled himself, reconciled us to himself. He received us into favor. He brought us into harmony with himself. One version uses the word friendship, friendship and favor. He brought us. We didn't. He did. He brought us into friendship and favor with himself. And he's given to us the word of reconciliation. Now the next verse. It was God. Now listen to this. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up or holding against men their trespasses, but what? Canceling them and committed to us the message of reconciliation of the restoring to favor. See, it says, God, here's how we've been restored into right relationship or into favor with God. That's when God looks at you, he looks, he looks favorably upon you. He looks at you with favor. You're one of his kids. He is concerned about you. He cares what happens to you. There has never been an earthly person that has loved you as much as he loves you. He is totally focused on what you're going through. He totally understands. He totally wants to do something about your situation. He totally cares. Totally. Why? Because you've been brought into favor with him. Not because of what you did. Well, what you did was re, you received it, but because of what Jesus did. It says God was personally present in Christ, reconciled and restoring the world. Not just the church, but the world to himself. Then he says this, not counting up. When I was raised in church, we used to always say that God, we actually said this. An angel follows us around and writes down whatever we do, like a, like a squealer, a squealer, you know, a narc. We got angels in heaven that are narcs. You know, they, they follow you around. They go, oh, oh, oh. They write it down. And then when you get to heaven, it's like, you know, you know, you know it's like the scroll is going to unravel and it's going to go, you know, <laughs> about a mile out there, you know, it's still everything you ever did in your whole life is all written out there. And then you're going to stand there in humiliation and shame as they read every vile, crazy, nutty, goofy thing you ever did in your life. They're going to read it all there. and You're going to be like, <laughs> and then God's going to wipe your tear away. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that he's not counting up or holding against men their trespasses. But what's he doing? Canceling them. What did he do? He canceled them. If he didn't cancel them, we don't have any hope. If he didn't cancel them, there's no salvation. If he didn't cancel them, there's no way to be made right with God. Because even on your best day, you don't, you're not a perfect person. And so he put away your sin, my sin, by the sacrifice of Christ, he became our substitute. So watch this. This is what happened. Jesus died in our place. It says, he who knew no sin became sin with our sin. That we who knew no righteousness 
might become righteous with his righteousness. So we call that an exchange, exchange scripture. In other words, I took off my filthy robe of sin and I gave it to him and it was nailed to the cross. And he took his beautiful robe of righteousness and he put it on me. And now I am standing in Christ's stead with his righteousness. And I've been restored to favor. When God looks at me, he looks favorable to me. If you talk about me in a bad way in heaven, he'll say, hey, 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 hey. It's my boy. Been restored to favor. God looks favor upon me. You know, the problem is, is that we live in a world that's pretty broken. It's filled with broken people, broken circumstances, broken situations. And sometimes we create a lot of brokenness. And then we go, we think that God is doing this. No, God's not behind that. You know, if you follow the life of Abraham, the life of Abraham is a life of faith. Abraham was uh, the father of our, he's called the father of our faith. Uh, it says, follow in the steps of our father Abraham, the, the footsteps, the steps of faith of our father Abraham. If you look at Abraham, Abraham was not a perfect person. I use him a lot because he gives me encouragement. He gives me courage. But he was not a perfect person. I mean, he gave his wife away twice. I mean, this woman is a saint. She has a crown in heaven so big she has to have three angels carry it around for her. And he probably has a Burger King. I'm just kidding. He has a big crown too. But, but he gave his wife away twice and lied about it. Is that your wife? No, it's not. It's not my wife. It's my sister. You sneaky little thing, you. Right? I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Is that, is that true or false? But the whole time, and so every time he did something like that, got himself in trouble, God said, that you're going to have a child through Sarah. They came up with this scheme. Well, let's get Hagar in here and let's have a baby with Hagar. So they produced Ishmael. Ishmael caused all kinds of problems. The problems didn't go away until finally she, they were, Ishmael was sent away. And so he, you know, he created problems for himself, right? But it wasn't, but, but the whole time God is treating him as a righteous person. God's treating him as someone as favor. And that's how you are. You are like Abraham. God treats you as if, he, if you have favor with him. Right? And so that's an important point to make. Because what ultimately he's asking you to do is he's asking you to turn loose of all your stress. Look at the verse. Go back here to. I lost my place. Look, go back here to Philippians chapter four. He said, be careful for nothing or don't worry or have any anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, I remember one time years ago, man, like 30 or more years ago, I had this situation that I was really struggling with. I don't know if you ever had that, had that happen where I would, and it was a situation that I would see almost every day. And every day I'd see it, it just kind of made my heart melt. And I was so defeated by this situation. I'd look at it and my heart would just kind of melt within me. And I'd pray about it and I'd kind of get encouraged and then I'd melt again. And so I knew my mom, she was a prayer warrior. And a lot of times, you know, um, she... Um, like, like one time I was, I was riding, I had a dream. I was riding in a pickup with somebody and, and we had a head, this is in a dream now. And we had a head on collision and the person I was riding with was killed. And my mom knew the person and I, 
And so I, I, I was kind of, I told my mom, we need to pray for this person. I had a, I had a dream that, that we, we were together in a pickup and we had a head-on collision and they were killed. My mom goes, that's not what it means. I go, are you sure? The dream was pretty vivid. I mean, we were in a pickup together and we had a head-on collision and that person died. No, that's not per- She said this, I've already been praying about it and God showed me already what was going to happen. And I said, really? And you know, what she said was going to happen is what happened. The person is still alive today. And so, you know, when I, when I had this thing that I was facing, I thought if I go to my mom and I ask her to pray, she will, she will pray and, and she'll either get something or she'll pray it through. And so I, I just told her about the situation. I said, I'm having trouble with this. Can you pray? And so she started praying about it. But here's the thing is the moment I turned it over to her, the moment I turned it over to her, I had total peace. I thought, uh, she's like a bulldog. She'll get, you know, she ain't going to quit till she gets something. And see, that's what God, he wants us to have that kind of thing with him. That when we're facing stress or trouble or worries or anxieties, can you imagine living a stress-free life? Do you know what stress does to you? Stress affects your health. Did you know that? I mean, I've gone to the doctor and I had symptoms and the doctor, he goes, you know, I'm going, I got, I got, you know, I got problems here. And he goes, well, we checked you out. You're as healthy as a horse. I'm going, that can't be right. (laughs) And he goes, then he, then he started going, are you under a lot of stress? (laughs) Well, I am a little bit, you know, I'm a little stressed out, you know. I'm getting more stressed out now because, you know, but, but, but he go, but he's, he's sitting there, medical doctor telling me that stress affects your body. God didn't intend for you to have any stress. Can you imagine living a stress-free life? Just walking around, you know, crazy stuff's happening. You're just going, you know, I can't whistle either. <laughs> can't snore, can't whistle. <laughs> just going through life, you know, just. <laughs> Does that sound like snoring? Sound like I'm blowing my nose. Uh, that's Steve. For the tape, that's Steve trying to sound like he's snoring. Because you imagine that going through life, just, just like, hey, it's going to be okay. Are you sure it's going to be okay? It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Why? Because I turned it over to someone who I am in perfect favor with, and he cares about me. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I turned it loose. I gave it to him. You know, sometimes we pray about stuff and 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 we pray about stuff. We pray about stuff and, and then we start going, God, you know how frustrated I am. And God's where they're going, I'm frustrated too. <laughs> Listen to this same boring prayer all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't know, do you ever, you ever see these movies about this black lady, um, Medima, Medima? How many ever seen those? Well, there's this one where she's in court. She goes, he keeps getting arrested, you know. And she goes to court and the judge goes, the judge looks at her and goes, I'm tired of seeing you here. He goes, I'm tired of being here. You know? I, I thought it was funny. But it's like, God, I'm tired of praying about this. I'm tired of listening to the prayer. At some point, I'll start yelling here, hit the table. I got to quit. My time's up. But at some point, we've got to turn it loose. 
At some point, we've got to turn it loose. Now, if you want to spend a lot of time going over every little detail with God, I don't care. But at some point, you got to say, Lord, now I prayed about this. Now I turn this over to you. I put this in your hand, and I'm not worrying about it ever again. If I think about it again, I'm just going to be thanking you that you are working on the situation. That's a good thought. And then he said what will happen is the peace of God will guard. Actually, the word guard is the word garrison. The word garrison. So it's not one guard or one troop. It's a garrison of troops. It's a group of troops surrounding you. Just get that picture in your mind. If you, if you turn stuff loose, you turn, I turn this loose. I refuse to worry. I mean, if worry would help it, I'd say worry about it, but it ain't going to help it anyways. I, you think about all the things that we, we worry about. I mean, just, you know, they say that by 9 o'clock in the morning, most people who are up by then, it's like 80% of people are already worried about something. 80% of the people by 9 o'clock, <laughs> believe it? 80%, no wonder we're on Prozac. 80% of the people, I, I, don't get mad, but 80% of the people are worried about something. God didn't intend for us to live like that. God intended us for, for us to live carefree. Amen. Don't worry, don't stress about anything. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Place it in God's hands. Amen. See, Satan can't take your salvation away from you. So that means... He can't bring you to hell, but what he wants to do is make sure you live in hell while you're on earth. And so peace, notice he said, I'll, I'll keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, tranquility, whose mind is stayed on me because he trusted me. That's an Old Testament verse. But he gives us a peace that passes understanding. In other words, when he says it passes understanding, He's saying it doesn't make sense. It's a peace, a, a calm, a tranquility of soul. It doesn't make sense. You should be bouncing off the walls right now. No, I got a peace that passes. And you have to fight to stay in peace. If you're going to fight, you know, people a lot of times they talk about spiritual warfare and they think that spiritual warfare is standing there screaming at the devil for hours. That's really not spiritual warfare. The Bible says that, have, that we're to put on the full armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor is our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Footing, footing, listen, footing for a soldier is very important, especially the way they fought. It goes hand to hand. Footing was very important. And so he says, you got to have the right shoes on. That means you've got to know the gospel of peace, that God made peace with the human race through the death of Christ. And so he says, your feet have to be shod with that. You've got to have a firm footing in that. You've got to know that. You've got to stand firmly in that. That's, that's spiritual warfare. This is something God provided. It's not your armor. It's God's armor. You're wearing it, but you have to put it on. You've got to put it on. It's available to you, but you've got to put it on. Amen. Let's all stand together. So God wants you to have peace.
Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you, you need some peace in your life. You need access peace. Tell your, your other neighbor, your second choice, you need to access God's peace. Go ahead and tell them that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands one time and just thank God right now for grace. Hallelujah. We rejoice in your grace, Lord, your favor over our lives. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your favor over our lives, Lord. Just thank you today for your favor, that your favor is over our lives, Lord. We thank you, God, for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you for peace coming into this room, peace coming into each person's life right now, Lord. Hallelujah. We just thank you for that peace, God, that passes understanding. Hallelujah. That umpire, the umpire for our soul, Lord, that peace that guides and directs us. Hallelujah. We thank you for that peace that's a guard. It's a garrison over our hearts and minds. Hallelujah. That we can hear from you in a place of peace. That as we are in a place of peace, the God of peace, that same God of peace, will crush Satan under our feet. All these circumstances that we face, as we are in that place of peace with you, Lord, you'll see those situations because we, we cast our care over on you today. I want you just to take a minute here and I want you to think about this word that God gave me. Go on with your life. I got this. Some of you are held captive by situations. I mean, you're like in a prison because of circumstances that you're facing, situations that you're facing, hard times that you're facing, things you don't understand. You feel like you're in a prison. You can't get out. God didn't send those things your way. We live in a broken world, but God can work on those situations. It may not take, it may take longer than a day. It may take a week or longer. But God can work on those situations and can turn it all around for your good. But you got to give it to him. Listen to me. You got to give it to him and don't give it to him. And then tomorrow, take it back again. I mean, there's responsibilities that we have in every situation, but worrying about the situation is not one of our responsibilities. We all have responsibilities that we have to do, but worry is not one of them stressed out, fearful, anxious is not a part of the program, my friend. God never intended you to have that. So I want you to just to think about what you're stressed out about, what you're, wor what you're worried about right now. I want you to just kind of gather it up. Gather it up in your hands with your, with your mind's eye. Just gather it up. And I want you to give it to God this morning. Just say, Lord... Just say after me, Lord, Lord. say it with a bold, strong voice, Lord, Lord. I, give I give this, my worries, my, worries. my, stress. my stress, my anxiety, my, anxiety. my, care. my care, my fear, my fear. I, give I give it over to you. Over to you. I roll it over on you. And I trust you to take care of it. And I won't bring it up again. And if I do, I'll bring it up with thanksgiving and praise. 
And I will boldly declare that you're working on it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's amazing what God can do. He's the greatest lawyer the world has ever seen. In fact, that's one of his names. Comforter means lawyer. He's the greatest lawyer the world has ever seen. I mean, he can plead your case, buddy. Amen. Just don't worry about it. Let's sing this song together. We'll close.
Praise God. God's good. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and look him right in the eye. Don't just say it, but look him right in the eye. Grab him by the shoulder and say, go on with your life. God's got this. Amen. Praise God. Those are good words. Amen. I want the prayer counselors to please come forward. If you need prayer this morning for anything, you need somebody to agree with you in prayer about something, you got a physical need, physical, emotional, spiritual need, please come forward as soon as I dismiss and uh, be prayed for. These people would be love to pray for you. They'll speak words over your life and you'll be blessed. Uh, so as soon as I dismiss. But we have some food in the back and so you're all invited to stay for free food. It's not a fundraiser. We were going to have a picnic, but the weather wasn't cooperating very good. So it'll be kind of like inside, uh, just the family together, shooting the breeze and blowing off steam. Right? Amen. So uh, please join us. Lord, bless this group of people now. May your hand be upon them mightily for good this week, Lord. And we pray, God, that you will bless our food and our fellowship together. Thank you for providing so abundantly for our needs. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. If you need prayer, please come forward. You're free to go. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.